Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, Falcons making some moves. The Jerry Gray influence and Ozzy to the IL. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked on Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you're listening to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So, obviously, the Falcons making moves at this time of the year as we kind of tweak and get ready to get down to the final roster. And obviously the Falcons are going to play on Friday night against the Cincinnati Bungles and um, be their home debut where the starters are going to play by all accounts. And according to Arthur Smith is that we are going to see the B. John Robinsons and Desmond Ritters of the world. And our starters are going to play in the game, but obviously the Falcons making several moves here. And really, uh, you know, I want to talk a little bit about these. It really kind of started with, well, first off, they signed the USFL defensive player of the year in Frank Ginda to be an inside linebacker for this team. And Ginda, Ginda had, I think, had 104 tackles in the USFL en route to winning the defensive player of the year. Not a guy who makes any sacks or what have you. I think he had like one or two sacks. Could cover. I mean, he was, you know, had some passes defended and things like that. But when a move like that came down, it de definitely told you that, okay, they're not really satisfied with our inside linebacker position because this guy is not a guy who's going to run around on the outside and, and, you know, hit a bunch of people. I mean, he's, he is a tackling kind of machine, but you know, he's also a guy who kind of plays on the inside of things. He's not going after the quarterbacks or anything like that. So that gave you an indication about, okay, they feel like that they need some more help. And then we saw the corresponding move that came not too long after, about a day or less uh, right afterward, that Michael Walker had been cut. Now, I like Michael Walker. Um, I had a chance to interview him when he was first drafted. Uh, he's a good kid. Um, you know, he's a linebacker that had not developed, really. He had gotten plenty of chances and plenty of opportunities, and he was there to make plays, but just never kind of followed through on everything. And he was a guy that, especially in his first year or two, was a guy who was looked at as a coverage linebacker, right? He was really good in pass coverage, not so much sacking the quarterback or high-volume tackling, but he was a really good pass coverage linebacker. And when you look, he really didn't fit what the Falcons want to do at, at this point. I mean, he, he didn't really fit what, what they wanted out of him. So they ended up uh, releasing him. And uh, again, he had just been drafted a few years ago. So... I was a little bit surprised, but not too surprised. Once I saw the Ginda move being made where they signed him as a linebacker, it was like, okay, somebody's going to get cut, you know, off this, off this roster and this team. Now, uh, another guy who was released is Frank Darby. And you're saying, well, you know, again, you know, he's, and I'll, I'll put it like this. I'll say from my own personal perspective, it feels like Frank Darby has been here for 20 years and, and there's been this mythical, fascination with Frank Darby and his speed and this and that and 
you know, he could be a weapon and all this kind of stuff. And this is one of those times when Falcons fans get all hyped up about a guy over the last couple of years and he never really does anything, right? Like Frank Darby, he's he's more mythical in his legendary status than he is actually doing anything on the football field. And like I said, it feels like he's been here for a generation now. It feels like he's been here since you know, the start of Matt Ryan's career. But again, he's only been in a few, around for a few years. And he accumulated one pass last year. He had one target, one reception for 15 yards or whatever it was. And that's all that he did during the regular season. I mean, it, it is what it is. There's, you know, again, some special teams plays and stuff like that. But there are 4,000 Frank Darby's, you know, uh, lurching around in the NFL right now, right? I mean, there's those guys are a dime a dozen. I mean, you can find anybody to make one catch for you. So again, I, I you know, again, I, I guess he's a good enough player and a good enough guy and all this, that, and the other, you know, no ill will told him, but it really is kind of funny how for years I've heard this mythical fascination with Frank Darby about, what he can be, what he could be, what he could be as part of the offense. You know, can he do this? Can he do that? And at the end of the day, he did nothing. Like, literally, he just did nothing, you know, for for this team. So, again, I, you know, and by the way, he's, you know, injured um, as well. So that doesn't help uh, either. So, uh, again, Frank Darby, you know, being released now. Um, they did sign another defensive back, you know, for some depth. But I, I'm really going to be interested because, Again, this roster is really still trying to find its way and find its sea legs as to who's going to be in, who's going to be out. You know, Jalen Mayfield was a guy who I thought did himself well on Friday. And Arthur Smith talked about the idea of, I believe at his press conference yesterday, that, hey, Mayfield is in the mix. I really do think that if Mayfield had fallen on his face, and not literally, but figuratively, and he did have a couple of moments where he got kind of lost. But I thought, by and large, when he moved north and south, he he played pretty well. But I really do think that if there had been a couple of moments or or he had not played well, if he had not graded out well or played well or, or showed some signs of life, that at least he can be an NFL-capable player, I think he'd have been cut. I really do. I think that he would have been released and he would have been the next guy that was kind of cut from this roster. But again, Arthur Smith talked about the idea is he's one of the guys that's in the mix to take that swing tackle position. And and look, he lives to fight another day, right? I mean, that's all that you can do is live to fight another day when you're a backup player in the NFL and you're looking to try to find and latch on to a roster spot. So thought he did himself well just to, okay, show that he could potentially be a guy who can win a swing tackle position. No guarantees, but, you know, like I said, he lived to fight, you know, another day. So, you know, there's a lot of these guys that you think that, you know, are, you know, in, in the last couple of years that would have been pretty solid to make a roster. You know, again, I'm looking at, okay, this is a new regime, you know, as far as this is new money being spent. It's, an overhaul of the roster. They don't have to just rely on guys for the sake of relying on guys on one-year contracts and, and no money deals and all this good kind of stuff. You know, again, they're going to try to upgrade their roster as much as they can. And, you know, with some of these moves that they have made with Walker and Darby, you know, there's about $11 million that's left to spend. 
Now, I don't know what they're going to necessarily do with that. And they don't have to, they don't have to do anything with that. And you can roll money over from one year's cap to the next. So you don't have to spend money. I'm still in the mindset. I would like to see another pass rusher, you know, Justin Houston or, you know, somebody like that. Like I'd like to have another pass rusher on this team, but you know, man can dream or what have you. But, you know, again, they're going to try to continually upgrade this thing. And I'm going to be curious to see if there are some names that we know and are familiar with that will no longer be a part of this roster. Don't necessarily know who, um, you know, again, Jalen Mayfield is a guy who, you know, he at least did some good enough things to last himself for another go round in this thing. But, you know, maybe he's a guy that ultimately ends up being cut. And again, I'm I'm a little bit concerned about Matt Hennessy. You know, his status was about a week where he was supposed to be out, and now it's becoming multiples of weeks. Is he going to end up making the 53-man roster? Are they going to end up settling with him on an injury suit, or do they really like him enough that, you know, he'll stay around and just go to, you know, IR for the season? Like what they do with Jalen Mayfield. They put him on IR for the season, and you didn't see him again. Is that what's going to happen to Matt Hennessy? So I think that there are a lot of questions just about some guys that we've gotten familiar with over the last year, two, three, that may or may not be here at the end of the day. Some of that might be for the good. Some of it may be, you know, like, okay, are we have we got somebody better in the pipeline? But it will be interesting just to kind of see what this final roster looks like when we shake everything out and obviously finish up the preseason. And then there's that dump of players that's going to happen in the NFL this year with all of the roster cuts, you know, whittling down to, you know, the 53 man roster that all of these guys are going to be released at one time. And I think the Falcons are looking at the idea of, okay, once these players hit the market, let's see who we can grab and, and try to help improve this thing. All right, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and as you know, you're betting on Major League Baseball, and we're headed down the home stretch here. We're less than a third of the season, you know, and we've got, you know, playoff baseball coming around the corner in the next month or two here. FanDuel's got you covered where you can take your first swing and bet on Major League Baseball and get 10 times your first bet amount. That's right. 10 times your first bet up to $200. So bet 20 bucks, and you can get $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you can spend on everything from betting on the money line to the over-under, who you think is going to hit the first home run. And it's all on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best part is you get paid instantly when you win. Get paid instantly when you win. No better place to bet on Major League Baseball than on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So head to FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and get your $200 bonus bet when you sign up today. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. FanDuel's the official partner of Major League Baseball. So one of the things that I have said consistently on this podcast, on radio, and this, that, and the other, that the best acquisition that the Falcons made this offseason wasn't a player, it wasn't a trade, wasn't a free agent signing, wasn't a draft pick, wasn't any of these things. The best acquisition that the Falcons made this offseason was bringing in Jerry Gray. Now, we've talked about him on the show before and how excited I have been. Jerry Gray, obviously a longtime defensive coach, defensive coordinator, um, 
was a lot a, a defensive backs coach for years in the NFL. He's been hired on to be both the assistant head coach for Arthur Smith and working with Ryan Nielsen on defensive coordinator. Now, look, say what you will about Ryan Nielsen, but he's never been a DC on his own and been calling plays and things like that. He was the co-DC for the Saints, okay, and he didn't call the plays. That's like, you know, again, that's like making me the, the defensive coordinator. That's like making me co-DC. You're not going to call the plays and such. I mean, again, that's that's what you want to do. So, again, I you know, he's he's got the experience, but obviously, you know, that he can afford to learn more, um, you know, from a guy like Jerry Gray. So he's been brought in here for that as well. And he's obviously working with the defensive backs. Now, if you don't know about Jerry Gray, Jair Alexander swears by Jerry Gray. Like, read quotes from Jair Alexander, one of the best corners in the NFL for the Green Bay Packers. He's had a big influence on Jair Alexander's career as Jerry Gray. So he's got nothing but good things to say, and, and he's even said this after he's been gone. But he's had a lot of influence on Jair Alexander. And then back in 2010, when he was the defensive backs coach for, let's see, the Seattle Seahawks, you know, they had a couple of rookies on their team at that time in Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor. Did those guys turn out okay? Oh, okay. All right. So, again, he's had a big influence on some of the best defensive backs in the NFL. And I thought it was on full display last Friday night. We can talk about backups and this and that and, you know, who played and who didn't play or this and the other. But you saw some tendencies and influences from our defensive backs that we haven't had in a while intercepting balls they had they had multiple interceptions the pick six right being able to defend down deep in the red zone we saw all of these things and again it doesn't matter what the name is on the back of the jersey you see the influence that a jerry gray has on this roster I think you can see the influence that Ryan Nielsen has as well as far as our defensive front and just getting after people and putting that push on. But you definitely saw that in the defensive backfield for this team. They played well, whether it was D. Alford or uh, Breon, uh, what's his name? I mean, they, they played really well at the defensive back spot. And look, you don't think that this is going to translate over to your starters? You don't think that A.J. Terrell or Jeff Okuda or Jesse Bates or Richie Grant or Jalen Hawkins aren't going to benefit from having a guy like this coaching them? Of course. And, and Jesse Bates has talked about Jerry Gray's influence already. He's already been talking about the idea of what a, you know, what a good coach he is and bringing him in and learning so much for him. And A.J. Terrell has talked a little bit about him you know, as well. So, again, I go back to this is the low-key best move that the Falcons made. And look, we have enough talent, you know, once Okuda gets healthy and there's reports that he may be back coming week one of the regular season, but with Okuda, with A.J. Terrell, with Jesse Bates, who they spent a crap ton of money on, Richie Grant, Jalen Hawkins, Mike Hughes, all of those guys are going to benefit from the coaching of Jerry Gray. All of those guys are going to be influenced by his coaching philosophy. You know, he's talked a lot about in the offseason about, you know, like, for instance, taking a Jeff Okuda. He said, I want to see the Jeff Okuda that was at Ohio State. 
I don't want to see him with the Detroit Lions. I want to see the Jeff Okuda who was at Ohio State and made himself into the number three pick in the draft. Like, I love those kinds of things. And again, he's going to have a big hand and influence. But you already saw those first steps on Friday. The defense looked and played differently in the backfield. We don't normally intercept passes, right? We only had, and we talked about this last week, we only had 17 turnovers on the year. We only averaged one turnover per game. So again, how many interceptions were we creating? How many really good goal line stands did we have? How many good pass defendeds did we lock teams down to where we kept them out of the end zone? It wasn't just the defensive front for this team. It was also the influence of a Jerry Gray on this defensive backfield. And again, I'll say, you don't think that that's going to translate into the first team guys? You don't think that the first team guys are are not going to benefit from the same type of coaching and philosophy and things like that? If every defensive back on our roster is smart, they'll get down on one knee and listen to what Jerry Gray has to say. And I'm being facetious and all that, but again, he's going to have a big influence on this defensive backfield. And that's the thing I'm looking for. And I know he's not the actual defensive backs coach or whatever like that, but let me assure you, when guys are already talking about Jerry Gray, when, when guys are already bringing his name up unsolicited, okay, that tells you he's having an influence. And I promise you, guys like Jair Alexander, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, all benefited from him. If we can get that level of play out of our defensive backfield, we're going to have one of the top 10 defensive back groups in the in the NFL. We're going to be one of the best group of combina- combination of, of corners and safeties. <clears throat> we're going to have a top 10 defensive backfield for us. And that's something that our talent tells us that we can be that. Now I think we have the right guy at the helm to make all of that happen. Now we feel like we have the right guy that is guiding this you know, thing. And he may not be the quote unquote defensive backs coach, or he may not be the quote unquote defensive coordinator on this team, but everybody's already talking about Jerry Gray and the influence that he's having. And again, I don't care if he's out front with it. I don't care if he's behind the scenes with it. I know that he's helping influence these guys and making everybody better in that defensive backfield. All right, as you listen in to Hitting Hard, make sure you go into whatever podcast platform that you listen on and let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program. So we call them our everydayers, and we do thank you so much for being a part of our growing community. But let us know that you're an everydayer to the program listening in five days a week. So we got bad news coming off the heels of the weekend that we saw Ozzy Albies was headed to the IL come last night. And, you know, obviously he had gotten pulled in that game on Sunday against the Mutts and had to come out and had hamstring tightness. And I think they were probably trying to see if they could work through it or this, that, and the other. Now we know that he's going to go to the IL with that hamstring issue. And let me tell you, and I know here's the thing about hamstrings. Okay. When you've got a hamstring injury, if you, if you think that you're a hundred percent and ready to go and you can get back into it and all this kind of stuff, take another week off. Seriously, take another week off. You know, hamstring issues and high ankle sprains are one of those things that you just have to rest. And when you think you're ready to come back and go full speed and go at it, take another week off. And that's the philosophy I have with Ozzy Albies. 
We need Ozzy. He's the most productive offensive player at second base in Major League Baseball. He's the best offensive second baseman in baseball. And he's been kind of left behind under the, you know, under the radar over the last year or two, because again, you know, it was kind of a lost year for the last year or two, whatever, you know, from injury standpoint and things like that. But at his best, Ozzy is the best offensive second base. When you talk about all the different things, you know, about his Riley this and Olsen this and this and the Ozzy's the best offensive second baseman when he's healthy and right. And you're seeing it again. He's going to be a 30 homer, 100 run, 100 RBI guy, which he was in his last full season that he played in. So, again, don't monkey around with this. Take plenty of time, whatever. Now, it sounds like, too, they're going to bring Vaughn Grissom up. And look, good for Vaughn Grissom because not only just coming up and in, in, in playing, but he's been really good in Gwinnett this year. His numbers this year, he's played in 88 games. He's had 406 plate appearances. He's got 32 doubles, four homers, six RBI, with 50 runs driven in, 11 stolen bases. He's hitting 327 with a 412 on-base percentage and a 906 OPS. So he hasn't let everything distract him. And again, a lot of people thought he was going to be our starting shortstop come the regular season. I thought he was going to be our starting shortstop. And I was more surprised when they sent him down and they were going to start Orlando Arcia. And I'm like, Orlando Arcia, what's what's he going to do? Well, he's turned into starting all-star season, you know, and had had, you know, a remarkable year and, you know, certainly is doing great things and double-digit homers and all this other good kind of stuff and playing really good defense. So, again, I'm excited to see Vaughn Grissom come up and get his chance and just get his feet wet, get another opportunity. You know, obviously he filled in for Ozzy, you know, a couple of years ago where, you know, again, uh, or I should say last year uh, for Ozzy, when Ozzy missed basically half the season. And he did a good good enough job, considering that he was a rookie and just getting thrust into that position and playing out of position, which, by the way, second base is not his natural position. He's been a shortstop in the minors, okay? So him playing second base was new to him. But, again, Ozzy, take it easy. Don't come back anytime soon. We need you for the stretch run, and especially with the fact that the division is over. Now, it might be one thing that if the division – was in doubt or anything like this, but as the Braves are 80 games ahead in the division, okay, when the Braves are so far ahead and and the Philadelphia Phillies and the Fishnets and the Mutts are no competition for the Atlanta Braves and their dominance, no need to hurry this thing back. Just be ready for maybe the last couple of weeks of the couple few weeks of the season to get yourself amped up and ramped up and then be ready for the playoff run. Other than that, I don't need to see Ozzy Albies. But I am excited to see Vaughn Grissom. And I am excited to see if he can translate some of these things that he's been doing down in the minors and make them happen at the big league level. I am excited to see that, look, the fact that he has played well in Gwinnett tells you a lot about him. He could have pouted and moaned and thought that he deserved this and deserved that. And he just went out there and played every day. And he went out there and played good defense. He was hitting outstanding for Gwinnett. And, and again, he's had a really good season for them. 
<clears throat> he could have cried and moaned about everything, but he didn't. He just put his head down, did his job, and and he's making things happen down there. So I'm I'm not excited about the idea of Ozzy headed to the IL with a hamstring injury, but I feel like that this is a golden opportunity for Vaughn Grissom to just continue his rise and continue to show that he can do this long term. Now, again, it might not be a shortstop, you know, and Arcia looks like, again, for at least the next year or two that he's got that job pretty well locked up given the season that he's had <clears throat> and the small contract signing that he took. I mean, again, it was, what, $3 million a year or whatever. You know, that's chicken feed. That's peanuts in the world of Major League Baseball. But the idea of Vaughn Grissom playing as well as he has down in Gwinnett is an encouraging sign. And, and that's the sign of a professional. And, and I'm excited to see him come up. I'm excited to see his opportunity. Again, you can't compare Ozzy Albies to a Vaughn Grissom. Ozzy is the best offensive second baseman in baseball. I've said that once. I've said that now twice. I've said it four times. He's the best offensive second baseman in baseball. You're not going to be better than that. If he's number one on the list, you can't be better than that. Okay? So, again, I'm not comparing him to Ozzy and things like that, but I want to see him handle the position. I want to see him, how much he's going to play. I want to see if Snicker trots him right into that lineup tonight. I want to see that he is part of this team. And, look, maybe he can make some contributions, you know, coming up and, and maybe making the playoffs or what have you. But, again, he's had a really nice season and obviously that, you know, now it's an opportunity for him to kind of build off what he's done in Gwinnett and get a chance potentially to play a lot here over the next couple of weeks. We'll see what happens, but hated for Ozzy, get well, stay, you know, stay away for a while, get yourself healed up and ready to go. But I am excited to see Vaughn Grissom come up and see if he can continue that success that he's had down in Gwinnett this year. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard your first listen. Be sure to go in and whatever podcast platform that you listen on, let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program. So we like to call them our everydayers, and we thank you so much for being a part of our growing community. You can check us out for free on YouTube or subscribe as well on there. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. 